This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. Are AI companies going to be having too much impact on the stock market? So that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today on Everyday AI, your daily live stream podcast and newsletter helping everyday people like you and me and so many of us out there not just understand what's going on in the world of AI, but to actually use it. So uh, one one special guest today helping us all do that is uh, George Alifragis, the executive board member from the Cybersecurity Global Alliance. George, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Jordan. Thank you so All much for right. having me. Yeah, excited to get into it. So before we talk a little bit about George's uh, unique background and how AI is going to be impacting kind of the C-suite in general, uh, let's go over what's happening today in AI. So kind of what we opened there with is, is AI companies having too much impact on the stock market? You know, kind of impacts all of our daily lives, whether we realize it or not. Um, so NVIDIA yesterday, which is one of the main uh, companies creating these GPU chips that power generative AI, they said, hey, we're going to be p- producing a ton more of these chips. And what happened is all of these AI-related companies saw a cumulative $300 billion added in market cap after that announcement. Wild. Uh, George, what's your thoughts? You know, even just seeing how, you know, one or two companies like this can have such an impact on the, on, on, on the market. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's more than wild. Um, it's unprecedented. I do think it's a little bit overestimated, over-exaggerated at this point. Um, I, don't get me wrong. I think there's tremendous potential. Um, and I'm really excited to see concretely how um, companies commercialize generative AI and, and really advance different sectors. I, and I will say it's going to, without a doubt, uh, disrupt every single industry. So with that, there's a ton of opportunity. There's also a ton of downside, but I think it's very early on to um, to just kind of estimate that it's going to have this type of impact on on the economy, especially. Yeah. So speaking of uh, disruption, George, one one company trying to disrupt uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT, kind of our second news piece of the day, is uh, Anthropic. So Anthropic is the parent company to cloud. We haven't talked about cloud on the show a lot, but it's an, another large language model similar to GPT. So Anthropic announced yesterday that they raised uh, $450 million, so almost half a billion to compete with OpenAI and ChatGPT. Uh, one one important thing to note um, to the everyday listener out there who maybe doesn't follow large language models as, as closely as we do here at uh, Everyday AI. So, so many of these AI chats are based off of GPT. So Anthropics Cloud is one of the only ones that's not. Aside from Google Bard, it is the only large one to be on its own kind of language model. Uh, George, how do you see this uh, uh, affecting you know the everyday person or, or do you see it affecting? Um, it's a good question. I don't think it'll have a near-term impact right away. What's incredible with ChatGPT is they are definitely the front runners and the category leaders, right? So if we look at history, if you're a category leader, you are the one who has already captured, I would say, the majority of the mindshare. Um, and because it's so accessible and it's democratized generative AI so well, um, folks are 
continuously kind of gravitating towards going back to ChatGPT, right? It's exciting though, because there are so many large language models out there and, and we're not only going to see disruption and innovation in terms of how companies leverage this technology or embed it um, within their existing offerings, create new offerings, but we're also going to see competition amongst these players, right? So that's going to actually further accelerate the pace of innovation. Um, and if we take a step back and look at it through either a data science lens or really the, found, the foundational components of how this technology is built, um, I'm even more excited about how they're going to complement one another. And once you actually bring them all together, the level of sophistication, I think, is beyond um, what we've seen before. Yeah, it's great. Great points. Um, and, and excited to dive into that more a little bit later in the show. Uh, kind of another news piece of the day uh, to, to get your take on real quick here, George. So Opera, the browser, maybe you've used it, maybe you haven't, but they're kind of, you know, maybe number four, number five in the browser wars. So uh, okay. they announced, yeah, so so they announced yesterday, you know, in one of the busiest days in AI news in a very long time. So they kind of announced that they are re- releasing a up, uh, update or a huge refresh of their browser that essentially bakes in um, chat GPT into their sidebar, allowing you to chat with any web page uh, that you're on. Uh, George, is this going to affect your plans at all? Are you going to, you know, go, go download uh, opera after this call? No. <laughs> if I'm being really honest, I won't. <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard too because you know I think Microsoft Bing, you know, they kind of released this functionality uh, a month or so ago, and I think people who wanted to have that functionality probably flocked to um, you, you know Microsoft Bing, you know, uh, or, 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 or sorry, uh, Microsoft Edge is is their browser. So, uh, yeah. all right, so kind of, and it's, just, uh, it's it's interesting. Just kind of quickly there, I mean, we, yeah. we can't forget that we're also managing uh, change, right? and behavioral change. So it's not because Bing released this feature that all of a sudden, uh, all of the market share for Google is going to, you know, automatically kind of go over to Bing. I think a lot of us tried it, um, but how many of us are still using it, right? Yeah. So so that's really where we're going to continuously monitor an adoption curve. Um, and it's not going to be as easy as, let me just, you know, integrate this type of technology and then um, imagine that I'm going to go from fourth to third just because of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of companies just just think they can, you, you know, throw throw some AI products um, into their offering, and it's going to, you know, catapult them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so here's uh, as we transition, George, a little bit into your background, uh, another um, kind of piece to to focus on. So, a company in in your space, uh, Infosys, uh, announced uh, Topaz. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure if I am. So, this is um, you know working with with enterprise companies. They are uh, Infosys is wrapping up all of these deep learning models, machine learning, generative AI. It was hard to get details because it, it it was just a lot of you know prepackaged things. Um, so, so George, as as we kind of get into your background, uh, you, you know what what do you make of this Infosys? news um and how do you see this moving forward in the future with you know larger companies that work with enterprise clients you know kind of packaging up you know these these ai offerings um it's a good question i think we're going to see a lot of it coming up actually i saw different news with telus international uh, which is also in the space announced something really similar so quite frankly, you already hit the nail on the head. It's it's repackaging. It's more repackaging of um, 
existing offerings that have ex have been there before because truthfully um a lot of the foundational blocks are the same right and companies like infosys ibm cognizant telus international um there are quite a few and then there's a ton of uh, more boutique firms or more vertically aligned firms that that are and within that space um are really well positioned to help enterprise clients advance um across this journey just because of those foundational um components and blocks that we've already leveraged so much either in product development and in system integration um so i think they're going to be well positioned is it early um yes and no so i think there's going to be a lot more i think there's going to be a huge focus on proofs of concepts um more so than anything else and, and that's the right approach i mean mckinsey as well will, will be there in that mm -hmm. space uh, deloitte all of the digital arms of the big consulting firms also so my concern already is um, how much of that will actually be different and unique in terms of really assisting, you know, the large enterprises um, and then enabling them across that journey. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that evolves and, and how how those organizations also um, create differentiation within their offerings and then true impact. But I think it's going to be a huge focus on proofs of concepts to start, mm -hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now, now, as we kind of, um, you know, talk a little bit about your background, uh, George, talk, talk a little bit kind of, you know, what you're doing in the day to day, but then also how AI, um, you, you know, so far has, uh, kind of been, been used or leverage, um, in your industry. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realized that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. Yeah, so... Um, good question. So I'm fortunate where I live and serve uh, a few industries. So high tech being one of them, um, former CEO of Sarai. So we actually were just acquired by Orion Innovation. Um, and there is a ton of internal experimentation going on within that space. Uh, we have to keep in mind that, you know, there are very few inventors of generative AI and, and, and we are adopting the technology as we go right so we are already though because of um how the technology was built we are able to start creating new offerings really really quickly so within that space i would say um the component that's most leverage is actually um copilot so mm -hmm. enabling it across our development teams to develop faster and smarter so that i would say is is, is a huge area of prioritization and focus and one that's been uh, adopted very quickly um, and one that's really valuable, right? Because again, um, what I've seen in terms of offerings is 
there's a lot of buzz, there's a lot of excitement, um, and it's fair and it's it's the right type of excitement to have. But then as you go deeper into actually trying it, experimenting it, and then asking yourself, how much will this really impact my day to day? Um, it doesn't always hit the mark, right? And it kind of stays at that surface level. Um, whereas Copilot um, is definitely one that is helping us advance uh, our development and then respective innovation really quickly. So that's one of the ones that um, we've leveraged uh, quite a bit. And then I think a lot of organizations who are deploying uh, these new technologies are actually leveraging as well because they're they're enabling their developers to to develop you know at, at light speed at this point sure no yes yeah, it's, it's speed is the name of the game right it, being able to do things in, in in minutes or hours that used to take you know days or weeks i i, I think is or the months. name of the game yeah yeah months great yes. great point um george i think you'll do this better than than i can um you, you know can, can can you kind of explain to the to the everyday person just kind of what your role actually entails you know i'm i'm keeping up with it but you know for uh, I think you'll just be able to say it better. So kind of like, what does your day-to-day -day look like at uh, from a high level so we can dig a little bit deeper? Yeah, of course. So um, like I said, former CEO, but the day-to-day -day life was really focused on um, helping drive the entire business forward. So looking at all uh, the various teams across the organization. Um, Strize was a global organization. So we had uh, various delivery centers across the world. Uh, my main focus has been go to market so that's really where i'm able to bring a concrete value and within the go to market teams um, it's really where sales marketing partnerships um, customer success all come together and um, go to market to support you know new endeavors new projects growth um, and also support existing clients and projects so it's making sure that all of that is um, running extremely smoothly um, that there's the right level of structure, governance, the right teams in place, mm. um, the right operating models, and that's, um, you know, we're, we're looking at existing and what's important for this year, but also responsible to look at what's important for the organization in the next uh, two, three to five years. So doing that more longer term strategic planning and at mm. the Cybersecurity Global Alliance, um, it's so I'm part of the executive um, board. And that's where we look at strategic priorities. We look at the roadmap. We look at the key initiatives that are that are underway. Um, we're providing guidance on those. We're signing off on them. Um, and there's obviously a, a significant level of governance um, around making sure that we are, you know, making the right decisions, um, and that we're also, you know, challenging ourselves um, to to do better and to do differently. Yeah. Um, you, you know, one question, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you say as you're planning out the next, you know, years, um, I think that at least even for me, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that can seem daunting in the age of, of AI, right. When, when there's so mm -hmm. many new advancements. Um, yeah. So, so how do you, how do you handle that? Um, you, you know, uh, creating actual plans or potential infrastructure, you know, for large teams, how do you handle that when you're looking years in the future when sometimes it seems like it's hard to keep up with tech, uh, you know, all of these advancements on a, on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Um, it's actually never been harder because of those advancements, right? So what's interesting um, with, you know, this new technology is, is really it's, it's reinventing our playground almost on a daily or it has the potential to, mm. right? So now it is, um, to your point, actually, and it's, it's a great point, even harder to be able to plan for the future. 
that being said, um, it provides a different mindset and framework in terms of the possibilities, how, um, how endless and, and how that possibility looks so different. So, so you still need to come together as a team and ask yourself, okay, where do we need to be now in this age of, um, you know, infinite uh, innovation and disruption? Where do we need to be next year? Where do we need to be in three years? Um, how are we going to now reinvent our playground? And what does that actually mean given this new environment? Um, are we staying within that playground? Are we actually reinventing ourselves completely? So again, these are questions that um, we wouldn't traditionally ask ourselves as often before, whereas now it's, it's, it's top of mind, right? Um, and you also need to be very close to your clients um, and the different industries you serve to understand like how are those industries going to get disrupted? Because that's really going to be at the heart of a lot of this innovation, right? And a lot of a lot of this evolution. Um, so, so, so we're also looking at it through an industry lens. Um, because although you may feel or you may think as an organization um, that you either don't need to reinvent as much, or you have a thesis that you want to start experimenting and deploying and working towards, um, you also need to take a step back and look at it from an industry level. How is that industry? going to potentially evolve and what is it going to look like? Mm. You know, even that's a great point. So even when you're looking at, um, you know, change across industries, a lot of times that change is driven by the leaders, by people in the C-suite. Um, you know, how do you see that working? You know, but um, so in my head, right, I think, oh, if the C-suite is pushing AI, um, and, and using that as part of a long-term strategic vision, um, you're, you, uh, you're potentially losing that, that human connectivity, right? So how do you see that happening on AI pushing organizational change, but still maintaining that, that human connectivity in leadership or, or, or is it possible? Or is that one of the biggest challenges? Like, how do you see that playing out? Great question. Um, I'm not seeing enough of it. So I'm definitely concerned on that front. Um, the reason I say that is we are over-indexing um, and making it all about the technology and not making it enough about the people. Because we have to keep in mind that it's human beings that, who built this technology, right? And, and we are still going to remain the pioneers and innovators behind this technology. Although there's, you know, debate around, um, you know, AI and, and its capacity to, to start doing a lot of things on its own. Um, so that being said, I think there has to be an even greater focus on the people. I think as generative AI emerges, the conversation needs to shift a lot more towards responsible, purpose-driven technology um, that truthfully empowers evolution, but also focuses on accelerating human achievement. So it's really, you know, reframing it around human augmentation um, and that being at the core. Um, why, like. And why it's you know it's normal that we're seeing Copilot grow uh, so quickly or being adopted so quickly is even it's how it's branded. It's you know if you, you should be viewing AI as a Copilot to all the different functions, right? So I, I see HR, business leaders, CXOs, and IT, and if you you know are fortunate to have chief transformation transformation officers, um, all come together, and one of the priorities um, 
that I think needs to be discussed and, and really solidified is, is how are we going to upskill our workforce? Mm. How are we going to create uh, the next generation of impactful roles? With that, then you're setting yourself up for success to, to continue to stay ahead of the game um, and to, to think through you know, different scenarios and, and, and different potential futures that you didn't necessarily think about before uh, because it's a completely you know, different playground right now. Um, so it's, it's really embracing AI automation, uh, emerging technologies, but doing that through a cultural lens, um, and bringing your people together, not, you know, creating actually, um, too much kind of, you know, scare tactics in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, what it means in terms of eliminating my role, but more so how is it going to augment, um, that role? And then yes, there's going to be productivity gains across that. And yes, there'll be, um, you know, financial gains, um, from that as well, but the focus needs to be on, on, on really human achievement. And then with that human achievement comes, um, the organizational achievement. Yeah. You bring up a fascinating point that I haven't even thought about a lot, even the naming of the AI, right. And, and, and what that says about, you know, companies who are using it on a day-to-day -day basis and implementing it, you know, co-pilot it's like, Oh, that makes sense. You know? So they want their AI to actually be, be viewed as, you know, bringing humans together and co-piloting something and, you know, Google duet. So same thing. So interesting point. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, so I know we already went a little bit over George, but I have to ask you one last question. So as you, you, you know, as someone working with large teams, um, you know, I think there's a lot of listeners who can are helping drive those teams. So, you, you know, small, you know, small business CEOs or, you know, maybe people out there leading departments. So um, what's your maybe piece of advice or maybe one thing that you've learned so far in um, in your experience leveraging AI? Um, you know, what's kind of that one takeaway or one piece of advice that you can give to the everyday person to actually use AI um, to create something positive on the back end? It's a great question. I guess two things come to mind, really building off what I shared, which is focusing on how are we going to accelerate human achievement? How are we going to augment um, our human capital, our team members? I think that's what's extremely important. And where I would start is, um, and this model actually, because we're all learning uh, as well as we go, um, and this model came from one of uh, McKinsey's conversations, is the two by two model, um, which is simple but impactful. And those are the models I, I, I love the most. So the two by two model is basically approaching it in a way where you tackle two use cases within your organization that don't require a lot of change management. So we spoke about change management earlier, right? We can't forget that that remains um, a huge enabler or disabler of innovation if you don't approach that properly. We've been talking about digital transformation for more than a decade, um, yet a lot of organizations still struggle within that the core of it is because of the lack of change management. So, so I would say first and foremost, uh, the two by two model is really interesting because you start with two use cases that are simple, don't require a lot of change management, but still bring value to your employee experience. So make it about the employee experience first, and then look at two more sophisticated use cases mm -hmm. um, that will require a lot more innovation and change management and focus those on your customer experience. So how are you creating a creative value for your customers? So by looking at it through that lens, you have a framework that you can work within um, and you've already created some parameters that are actionable um, and meaningful for both your employees and your customers. 
Wow. A lot, a lot to digest in a very short amount of time. Uh, George, that was very insightful. So thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show. I appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So thank you uh, for for watching, uh, listening. Make sure to uh, go to youreverydayai.com. Um, check out former episodes uh, or, or previous episodes of the podcast. Also subscribe to the newsletter. So a lot of the things that George talked about, we're going to have more resources. We'll uh, send some more information about the two-by-two two model uh, that he referenced as well. So uh, make sure to go sign up for the newsletter. And thank you for watching, listening, and we hope to see you tomorrow and every day on Everyday AI. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.